Bionic Joe has repaired like everything. Meanwhile, Bionic <laughs> Celeste is like, uh, NASA, I'm going to need some more fuel for my knees. I'm running all over the place. Welcome to Which Game First, where we boldly explore the hilariously huge world of board games. Did we unearth any hidden treasures you've been missing out on? Let's find out. First up, we summon our champions to do our divine bidding and fight for our glory in Epic. Next, we head into the heart of the Mayan jungle to unearth the great mysteries of its ancient city in Tikal. And lastly, we have the technology to play better, faster, stronger in The Six Million Dollar Man. I'm your host, Celeste Angelus. Now let's meet the rest of our brave and intrepid panel. Hi, I'm Evan Bernstein, and I'm coming out as Bionic. This is Joe Unfree. I'm here to talk about Mike Grenier, a man barely alive. Ed Povolitis here. We can rebuild him. We have the technology better than he was before. I'm Mike Grenier, and I'm an extraordinarily expensive man. Hey, everyone. We wanted to give a quick shout out to our patrons. Thank you for the feedback on our first patron-only post-show episodes. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun letting you guys behind the curtain with us. And we will be releasing a post-show to everyone soon. So check out our news feed for some weird and interesting stories. (laughs) Yep, they're on our website every week. And also, thanks for listening. Our first game up this week is Epic, the card game, designed by Robert Dougherty and Darwin Castle, published by White Wizard Games, number of players 2 to 4, ages 13 and up, runtime 20 to 40 minutes. Okay, when we shined a light on this find, what were our first thoughts? Joe? On the surface, this resembles other tournament card games, but it looks like I'll get more cards out. Evan? Oh, if only I ever once played Magic the Gathering. I I think I'm at a total disadvantage here. Ed? A streamlined, non-collectible duel game that plays like magic, but more epic? I'll bite. Mike? If everything is epic, is anything epic? Pretty fantasy art, check. Balanced starter packs, check. Non-collectible, double check. Innovative? Question mark. But before we deal out that answer, Evan, tell us how it's played. Folks, Epic is a fantasy card game that aims to recreate the trading card game experience from a single, non-collectible box of 120 unique cards. You are a god at war. The cards in your deck are your champions who fight for you and events which represent your will imposed on the mortal realm. You begin the game with a hand of five cards. Each card costs either one gold or it's free. You get one gold each turn, that's all. You don't need to draw and play special cards just to play other cards. You only have to decide which cards to play. Each player starts with 30 health and 30 cards. You win if you're the last man standing or run through your deck first. Sounds like a lot of other card games. This is a very popular genre. Is it different enough from the other card games? Oh, I mean, Ed taught it to me just last night, actually, and it was so intuitive because of how many times I played Magic the Gathering. A lot of similarities. Yeah, a lot of similarity, but also that similarity can be a little bit of a detriment because there are subtle differences. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of basic strategies that you play in Magic, and I saw them right away with the combos that you could create. 
for I, who have never played Magic the Gathering, please don't throw things at me. <laughs> I've never played Magic the Gathering, so this was a fun game to play. What I got a little confused at, or had to continue to remind myself, or I should say Ed continued to remind me, <laughs> is that I'm not just kind of playing against these cards. I'm playing against these health points that that the player has. Mm -hmm. So am I, am I attacking the player? Am I attacking their cards? Is it some combination of the two? How do I, how do I create <laughs> a strategy in order? I get that I have to knock down his 30 health down to zero, but how exactly do I do that? Get through his cards to get to his health. That was a little bit confusing for me, but I think by the end, I eventually got the hang of it. Well, you won. So I think you did well. Hey, congrats. There are a few rather intuitive ways, like like you can just take airborne cards and fly over them, right? Uh -huh. That is so adorable that Evan could not figure out like the most basic concept. <laughs> well, I mean, am I playing against the cards or am I playing against the person's health? I mean, wh where, where should my strategy lie? There's a lot of ways to approach it, you know, kill all their creatures so they're left vulnerable or sneak around somehow with flying or yeah. unblockable. Or breakthrough. Or just overwhelm yeah. them. Yeah, or just put so many things out, they can't deal with it. Right. And for those folks who haven't played Magic the Gathering in our audience and these types of card games, if you're doing damage, you lay out your monsters or in this case your champions and you send them out to the enemy who's sitting across the table from you. If the enemy has defenses cards, like other champions and so forth, they'll block with those. But if any additional damage is done, they'll get to the health of the actual player. And in this case, the scenario is that you're a god controlling your champions. So you actually reach the god and do some of that 30-point health damage. And the first person to zero loses... I think the thing I liked most in this game versus Magic the Gathering is that you could deal out massive damage in a single attack. And that's pretty rare in Magic the Gathering. Yeah, that's because in turn one, you can start off by playing your giant 11-12 sea monster. Yes, which in Magic would take a lot longer to get out. Oh, yeah. You might never get that creature out in Magic because I think another key difference in the game is the Magic, for example, has lands. In order to play any of the big spells in Magic, you have to spend several turns getting land out there and hope you draw them. Which are the power cards. They're the way to power your spells. Exactly. Oh, I yeah. see. Yeah, your spells will all have a cost on top. But this here, your cost is one or zero. Right, which how do you think that affects balance, guys? Because that 11-10 sea monster costs the same as your three-point event. Well, actually, the three-point event might actually be a zero-cost card. What I think is interesting is they have a mix of cards that actually cost you your gold and cards that are free to play. Is that a typical convention in a card, in a, in a deck game like this? I don't know if that's a typical convention. No, that's kind of a new thing for this game as far as I've seen. Usually, you have to build up resources to get better stuff. This one here says... Play one card at a time, no matter how awesome or weak it is. Yes, and that's kind, and that's where I worry a little bit about balance. Well, so me and Ed actually played the version of the game where you just draw a random 30-card deck. I had some sick cards in my deck, like huge creatures, <laughs> like really powerful stuff. And his deck ended up having a lot of ways to wipe all the creatures off the board. Dude. And they cost the same, you know? So if I have this tiny little shaman guy that costs me one gold and Ed plays his giant triceratops that cost them one gold it seems like it's unbalanced especially when you're drawing a random deck i think it ba balances out because 
no, the cards are so powerful, like, I was able to wipe the board and then put my own big monster out next turn. Well, doesn't the game recommend that you play with the same cards in the starter pack? Like, you get an identical deck? There is no identical deck. The, the pack has 120 unique cards. Oh, I see. It's 120 cards that are exactly the same. And from that, you build your 30-card decks. Is that right? If I bought a set and then you bought a different set somewhere else, we'd both have the same set of cards. Correct. Yeah. Which isn't the case with Magic, right? No. 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 Magic is collectible. Oh. <laughs> so ah. every pack you open is mysterious. That's why people with lots of money do pretty well in Magic. And this is the big sale pitch for this guy with just 15 bucks. You can have all the cards you need to play a variety of different formats. So they suggest playing like, you know, either a constructed deck from this pack. You can do a draft. There's a, diff- a few different styles of play they have right in the blue book. Or just if you have four people, just everyone takes one quarter of the cards in the pack. You can even split them up by faction. Give uh, everybody each uh, the full 30-card faction and have the factions fight each other off. Now, those, those were good, evil, wild, and sage those are the factions that come with the decks. And if you play the different factions, which are represented by different colors, they have synergies that work together. Absolutely. I mean, one of the abilities called loyalty triggers if you have two of the same faction in your hand when you play it. Ooh. So this game is billed as aiming to recreate TCG, meaning trading card style games, but without that expense where you have to buy a whole bunch of cards to be competitive. Well, I think it does a good job at that. After my one playthrough, it felt like I still had tons of strong cards and variety of stuff to do and awesome combos. And it was just out of that one set they provided. And that was just looking at 30 cards I randomly gave you. Yeah. And uh, the factions had synergy with themselves, but they also had some really good synergies with other factions too. Some great combos in there. I was never thinking, oh, what am I going to do with this mess here? They seem to have made a different strategy with the invention of this card game where there's a lot more take that because you get stuff out so fast. Well, I felt like, yeah, there was a lot of punching back and forth. Like you jump right into the action, which is good in some ways, but I do miss that ability to build up on somebody and have a strategy that builds and kind of feels more devious. This just felt like a brawl. That's right. A Donnybrook, they used to say, called it, right? right. <laughs> Fisticuffs. The kids still say that, don't they? Yeah, Isn't that of course. A yeah, that's a super yeah. popular phrase, the Donnybrook. Never timeless. <laughs> I imagine you can get more of that, uh, that building up field when you constructed your own deck from the cards. Oh, yeah. It would be super deadly if I actually chose my 30 cards instead of getting oh. random ones. It was already pretty brutal. I think I finished Ed off with a giant Triceratops attack. <laughs> The god has fallen. They have um expansions of this game. Yeah. They have like demigods and full gods and then like Ooh. elder gods that you can play as your character instead of just, you know, the mysterious person with the 30 health to start with. Yeah, it's called the Pantheon expansion and it adds elder gods and gods that actually have more health. Like the elder gods have 90 health and they're intended that you can actually take out a team of other gods. Yeah. Oh, wow. Because they actually get like two gold per turn so they can cast more stuff. Yeah, it's cool. It's like a mode where you actually have, like, you're set up to have the Elder Gods get attacked by the Demigods. So they, like, gang up on them. Rumble in the (laughs) heavens. Rumble. The skies rumble. (laughs) In May 2019, this, this month, the monthly digital epic tournaments began. 
They're digital tournaments. Digital tournaments. Oh. Yes. Yeah. The award for first place on one of the tournaments is $500 in cash. <gasps> Cash, <laughs> you also get some other uh, tickets to you know to enter into future tournaments since you since you won one. Are these hosted by White Wizard, Joe? Yes, players join the Epic Card Game Events Discord server. Neat for real time communication during the tournament. That's clever. That's clever. It's like a it's like a club. I really like the art in this game, and I think it even improved that the new expansions that comes out are even better art. There was a lot of scantily clad women in that first series. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of a very standard uh, fantasy trope, I guess. Yeah, and I I just didn't feel an egalitarian sensibility among the male characters in the art in that first set. But I actually do enjoy the expansion sets quite a bit. Mm, I want to see more armored women that have armor that covers their whole body. Yeah, or women who don't look like that, you know, that it's 24 hours a day in the gym or the salon. Gym and salon is at least equal among the men and the women. (laughs) (laughs) It's the amount of dress that was a bigger issue. I mean, obviously, these fantasy champions are going to look fabulous. Yeah, these rough and tumble soldiers definitely look like they got Manny Petties. Yeah, they totally do. I mean, even the monk is looking like music video ready, you know? (laughs) Uh, and also, on another note, Epic plans to kickstart a new expansion called Jungle coming this year. Oh, cool. Interesting. Okay, explorers, get your shovels out. It's time to dig up or bury Epic. Joe? It's fast. It's clear. It's got plenty of action. What's to bury? Dig it up. Evan? I think this whole dueling card game thing might actually catch on someday. <laughs> <laughs> Let's dig it up. Mike? I love building decks that spring deadly and surprising combos on my opponents, and there's plenty of opportunity to do that here. So dig it up. Ed? I love that every play feels epic. And the expansion (laughs) allowed even more epic battles. Dig it up. (laughs) More epic. Yeah, Ed is right. The name really does suit the play style of this game. Overall, I did enjoy it as a card battle game. Dig it up. Ed, where can you find it? Epic is readily available at local game stores and online. The bait deck costs just 15 bucks. If you have thoughts about Epic, let us know. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our next game up this week is Tikal, designed by Michael Kiesling and Wolfgang Kramer, published by Rio Grande Games in 2005, originally published in 1999. Number of players, 2 to 4, ages 10 and up, runtime, 90 minutes. Okay, when we carbon dated this find, what were our first thoughts? Joe? I've played a few games where you lay out hex maps, and I always enjoy that experience of watching the world unfold around me as I move. Evan? Wow, just look at the size of that box. It screams 1999. Ed? So tonight we're going to game like it's 1999. (laughs) Yeah. Mike? Was this game created just for our brave and intrepid panel? (laughs) (laughs) I know. Just looking at the box cover made me want to put on my WGF Pith helmet and go adventuring. But before we start wantonly hacking our way through the ancient Mayan rainforest... Evan, tell us a little bit about how it's played. In Tikal, on each turn, you get to draw and place a new terrain hex representing more exploration of the rainforest. 
You also get 10 action points with which to move, make new camps, explore temples, excavate a new level of a temple, collect treasure, exchange treasures <laughs> with another player, or even post guards to lock a temple down. Lock it down. Lock it down. Now lock it down. <laughs> it's on the lockdown. That's a lot of stuff you got to be doing. Each action's cost ranges from one to five, so spend your points carefully. You have many combinations of actions to spend on those 10 points each turn. Use them wisely. (laughs) (laughs) I can't tell you how much I enjoyed having 10 action points to use every game, every turn. I mean, imagine that today. Imagine telling a player today in a brand new game, you get 10 action points. They'd be like, what? Huh? What are you talking about? We'd never get to go again if Joe had 10 action (laughs) points every turn. He did. (laughs) My, My turns were pretty fast. Mikey, the thing is, if you're a role player and you're used to having a certain amount of like movement ability or a certain amount of this kind of action available to you, you're going to be quite used to the mechanics of this game. And I photocopied the chart and we all know Joe loves charts. I photocopied the chart that showed your options for your action points. Smart. (laughs) Everybody had the chart in front of them. It was very easy to reference. Evan said it all. You really have those five options to choose from. And I absolutely loved it. It worked so cleanly. You have 10 points and you can kind of spend them however you want. Can you do the same action multiple times if you can afford it? Yes, you can. Yep. There are some limits, though. For example, you can only raise a level of a temple twice in the same turn. Oh, right. Yeah, and you can only grab two pieces of treasure Oh, that's lame. I want more. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How much treasure do you think your team is going to be able to get in one turn? I mean, my <laughs> the idea that your competitive expedition teams is so delightful. <laughs> I mean, I'm just imagining there's treasure everywhere if these guys are bringing so much back every turn. No, Mike, because you're hacking your way through the jungle and the hexes are getting revealed as you go. Oh, that's so, so cool. we're literally uncovering the jungle and uncovering the temples and uncovering the treasure troves as we go. Each tile is a discovery. I mean, the only way to realistically get a lot of treasure at one place in one go would be to, you know, I know, waylay one of the other teams. (laughs) 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 Drive off with it in the back of their Jeep. Can you? No. Throughout the game, I'm saying, okay, when can I attack Joe's camp and start taking his stuff? I'm like, oh, wait, you can't do that in this I love that. That really plays to the theme. You wouldn't be fighting. The most you can do is overwhelm the other player with the number of expedition team members you have in a certain area. So let's say you want to control this temple. You just uncovered a a level five temple. If another team, expedition team, comes into the hex and they're like, hey guys, what's going on over here? What'd you find there? And then I'll show up with my 12 archaeologists and say, hey, look what you found. Hey, make room. I want to see what's going on here too. So if you move enough people from your team, actual meeples, if you move enough of them into the temple area to overwhelm the other player, meaning he's got, the other player has five, you move six guys in, now you're in control of the temple. Oh, it's the one who has the most people there, okay. Yeah, well, unless you post armed guards. As soon as I found out I could do that, I posted two of them right away, which was the max. I would have I would have had them all be armed guards. Well, do they just scare away the other people that are bringing their uh, the explorers? They lock it down. Yeah. They're like, you don't want to come in here. There's nothing in here. Well, no, <laughs> I think it's more like this temple is closed. We have claimed it for our team. You can only lock down two temples per game. 
Oh. So even though you'll probably see 10 temples in a game, each team can only lock down two. So there's always going to be temples that are going to be available per turn. And there's one detriment to locking it down. Even though it's yours for the rest of the game, you don't get to build it up any further. And it's it's really hard for someone to monopolize the board and really mess with everybody else's options. Yeah, there's always room for people to go elsewhere and do other things. Man, so you have like a hundred explorers just sweeping through the Mayan jungle and chopping it down to yes. get the treasure. That's awesome. Mike, remember it costs points to put those explorers onto the board. So it's not just you start with 20 explorers on your team. That costs one of your 10 action points to just place that one explorer onto the starting hex. Yeah, but it sounds like you can slap down 10 explorers in one turn. Ah, you would think, Mike, but here's the catch. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Each hex that you put down has a cost for moving into it, represented by stones that are sort of in your way. So it sort of says, okay, the terrain is a little more complicated here. Ah, So it may cost three or four to get into one location and only one to get into another. And you as the player get to flip over a hex at the beginning of your turn and position it on the board. So you can make it impossible to get to from another location, but... And more difficult to get to from a different hex. That's right. Oh, that's really cool. One of the key things is you can put down your own base camp. So you can put a new base camp further into the jungle where your people can start. So I like to like set it up, oh, it's deep in the jungle. And now I'm going to try to put my tile next to my own camp. Oh, I get it. So you have to start from the base camp and move out from there to your to your locations. Yeah, until you're able to establish camps deeper in the forest, which costs points to do, by the way. Yeah, five, yeah, five points. To do that. It's a big one. I made the mistake of putting my two base camps a little bit too close together. That was a mistake. Uh, so I couldn't really, you know, make the most of them. Mm-hmm. No, you couldn't. There's one uh, meeple that's worth more. It leader counts as three guys oh, anywhere wow. he goes. So there's a lot of maneuvering. You have to kind of be careful to get around. But boy, that sense of adventure never stopped because of those <laughs> tiles you were flipping over constantly. I love flipping over mysterious tiles and cards. It's like my <laughs> yeah. favorite part of a game like this. You would have loved it. Oh, loved it. Everyone lays one down each turn, right? Try to make your own route through the jungle easier and your enemies more difficult. Uh, for the most part, that is correct. Right. right. You got to be careful, though. If you make an easy route, you're going to give an easy route to somebody else. That's true. If you could put a volcano in the right place. Ooh, you can put volcanoes on the board? Wait, let's talk about the volcanoes. Oh, man, I'm so, so excited. I feel like I'm exploring this game with you guys right now. <laughs> <laughs> Three tiles in the game are volcano tiles. The tiles are lettered section A, section B, section C, and they're put in order in a stack. So there's only one volcano in the group of A tiles, only one in B, so they won't be next to each other. Also, once you find a volcano in one pile, there won't be another volcano in that You stop, right? There won't be any more in the A pile. You stop everything when a volcano comes out and you score. So there are four score rounds and you're going to get to score everything that you have. You can score your temples that we were talking about earlier, like that five-point temple that Celeste revealed earlier in the game. If she's on it, she'll get the five points. You can score for treasure that you've picked up along the way. And if you have multiple pieces of matching treasure, you get bonus points for those as well. So the volcanoes are at the bottom of each stack or they're shuffled into the stack? They're shuffled in. Oh, so you don't know when the score is going to happen. 
Yeah, but right. the fact that you score everything multiple times. So the earlier you can get something in a game mm-hmm. and keep it, the more times it's going to get scored. That's cool. So that helped me a lot. It got Evan the win. I had a triple treasure match from the from the very get-go, and that's worth six points, which is a lot. So there's different kinds of treasure that you match up with each other? Mm-hmm. And get, that's like, right. And if you can get three of a match, that's that's worth the most treasure points. Like three um, golden necklaces or- Oh, it's the type of treasure. Three, three matching right. tiki's. Matching set. <laughs> Ah, that's and cool. which I had from the beginning, so I scored that every single round going going forward, and that built me up into a nice little lead. I guess you can't complain about the treasure you get, but yeah, it'd be nice to get some sets going. But you can steal treasure from the other teams. Yeah, you can force an exchange. So it's really like stealing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I want to force you to exchange that thing, which I need for my three-piece set, and I'm going to give you this single thing. That's, Here's a know. piece of garbage for you. I'll yeah. take that. Thank you. Here's a wooden tiki. Let me get that golden necklace. Rock roll? Rolling rock. Kaboom! What is what number? What number? Hey. Enjoy. Well, you can only go that direction. Yeah, I know. I There's mean, nowhere else to go. Much. I can either give it to freaking Ed, who knows how to play the game, <laughs> or I can give it to Joe over there who can barely figure out how to put his pieces on the board. If you've ever read stories about how dig sites with multiple teams goes, there is constantly intrigue and backstabbing and <laughs> people trying to lie to each other about what they found, where they found it. Fake maps, yeah. That place three miles east of here, right at the foot of that volcano, wow, you won't believe how much stuff's over there. And if you lean over, way over, you may <laughs> see something special. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> So the goal is to lock it down with as few people as possible on the hex. But sometimes you got, you're got you in an emergency situation where you're like, oh boy, if I leave it one more turn, Evan's going to move in here with a majority. I better right. lock it down now. You sacrifice whatever guys are there. I don't think you've actually killed them. I think you've basically <laughs> assigned them to this temple and now they're in it. A bunch of armed guards show up and then a whole bunch of meeples disappear off the board. You figure <laughs> out what happens. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who's to say what happens in the jungle? There's no witnesses. So, all right, for Star Wars fans, Tikal was used in Star Wars A New Hope as Yavin 4. So when you fly over Yavin 4 in Star Wars uh, New Hope and you see those temples sticking out, that's actually Tikal. Wow. And Tikal means watering hole in that Yukon Mayan language. However, a drought was still a big problem for the ancient Tikal people because they never knew when Mm. the rainfall was coming, um, even though it was a rainforest. But they built some reservoirs and some of the 20th century teams that went reconstituted the reservoir for their own use. Yeah, you don't think of drought being a problem in a rainforest. I know. know. (laughs) That's really interesting. (laughs) The average rainfall there is like 76 inches a year. They just didn't know when they were going to get it. Mm -hmm. Just got to have bucket hats. Okay, explorers, get those shovels out. It's time to dig up or bury Tikal. Mike? I was lost among the ruins and didn't get a chance to play this awesome sounding game, so I'll have to abstain for now. Evan? I was impressed with this game. It was less than cumbersome. The symbology worked well. The theme worked well. This could be the surprise game of the year so far. Dig it up. (laughs) Ed? It's a classic Euro game with great theme, great mechanic that's likely to be welcome on many game tables. Dig it up. Joe? I loved this game. Some of my turns seemed very fast. I actually was playing my turns a little bit quicker than the rest of the panel may be used to uh, because I felt so immersed. Dig it up. 
I absolutely loved how much the theme informed the play in this game. Wow. An amazingly streamlined Euro game. Dig it up. Joe, where can you find Tikal? You can find this game online for a average price of about 35 bucks. If you have thoughts about Tikal, let us know. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our last game up this week is the $6 million man. No, we're not kidding. <laughs> no designer credit. Published by Parker Brothers in 1975. Number of players, two to four, ages seven and up. Maybe. <laughs> Runtime, 45 minutes. Okay, guys, when we found this game on the dark side of the moon, what were our first thoughts? Mike? The show's flimsy premise was mildly entertaining when I was little. Let's see if this game can live up to that high bar. <laughs> Evan? I'm way too old to be playing this game. It said so on the box. <laughs> Ed? I hope the gameplay isn't as worn out as the box is. <laughs> Joe? The game has a deck of power cards that are all exactly the same? Wow, I... Certainly was expecting that. So I kept my hand secret from everyone and I didn't have to. <laughs> as soon as I opened this time weathered box to find cardboard photos of Colonel Steve Austin. <laughs> and looking fine in his tracksuit before they were cool. I was ready for my first mission. But before we devolve into a slow motion fight scene, Evan, tell us how it's played. The Six Million Dollar Man is a race to the finish game. Each player plays a bionic man who is lent to various government organizations for missions. I can't believe I'm saying this with a somewhat straight face. But only one is the real Six Million Dollar Man. You see, players will run their bionic man through four assignments to be tracked on the game board. During each mission, players will spin the spinner. Yes, there's a spinner. <laughs> to move and to use power cards to accomplish the missions and to fight. The first player to race through all four assignments is declared the real $6 million man and wins the game. Everyone else is less than a $6 million man. So wait, there's four fully bionic men in this game, <laughs> yes! right? <laughs> yes. Uh, to start with, but only one is the real? Who cares oh. which one's real? Wait, and they all <laughs> they all look just like Steve Austin. Yes. Oh, God. So That's right. This... But they're wearing different colored track suits. Yeah, and three of them are only worth $5.6 million. Go to the perfect launch, and then move to Joe. Who's the real Bionic Man spinoff? <laughs> the plot for this game is perfect for one of the harebrained plots <laughs> on the actual show. It would have been totally believable as an actual episode. Totally captured the feel of the TV show. So let's just talk about the basic board, maybe? Basic is a good word for it. So the board is separated. It is a cheesy, single-fold, old-fashioned board like you'd get from Monopoly. And there are four tracks on it, which represent the assignments. The Each assignment had its own storyline. Oh, yeah. Each one had its own storyline. Okay. The first assignment is you're you're, you have to be launched into space. The Bionic Man <laughs> is going into space to rescue a stranded astronaut. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the... Uh, the set, I'll, I'll just run through the assignments first so you can get the progression as it 
or lack of thereof of these assignments. The second assignment is that you have to lock down a nuclear warhead facility to prevent a catastrophic nuclear attack. It's called nuclear blackmail. Yeah, nuclear blackmail. It gets more severe from there, folks. So I think it bears mentioning that he is being sent, he is being used by different government agencies for each mission. So he's basically being pimped out. Even to foreign governments, as Evan's about to tell you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because it gets better. The third assignment, perhaps the perhaps the most important assignment of all, is that he has to go to help Scotland Yard <laughs> find the jewel thief. Or something. <laughs> so, so, I mean... <laughs> What do you um, do? Oh, clearing a rock slide. Yeah, yeah, oh, hang on. Hold on for that nuclear time. war. I gotta clear this rock that yeah. fell. No, this, he didn't go over to help out the British military or the British MI5. He went no. to help the British police. Police department. <laughs> yes. Issue traffic tickets, basically, yeah, to people right. on, on going the wrong way because they're in America and they don't realize Londoners driving the wrong other side of the road. He was just in space. <laughs> and, yeah. and locking down nuclear missile facilities, and now he has to go to London and help the police. He should have <laughs> burnt Gorman and Eve Miles in Torchwood. And then in, in the fourth, <laughs> and then the and then the piece de resistance, the finale, the grand climax <laughs> is that assignment four. He sent underwater <laughs> to, to locate the position of a missile under the water. One little missile. Not well, a nuke. Just a, a missile. missile network, by the way. A oh, network, a, oh a missile, missile network. Thank you, Ed. Yeah, more, more important than The that. more important thing here is that all of these really individual sounding missions are accomplished in so many diverse <laughs> ways. Same the, way. Mission one, you spin a spinner. Mission two, you spin a spinner. <laughs> yeah, but in mission three, I spent I spun the spinner counterclockwise. No, <laughs> in- incorrect. That would that you're giving the game far too much credit, Joe. You in mission one, you spin the spinner, collect power cards, and lose turns depending on which circle you land on. <laughs> oh, my favorite! <laughs> With backward momentum. Wait, there are backward momentum arrows as well. Whereas if you land on that one, you'll have to spin and go backward. Yeah. No, you, you you spend half the game on those going back. Oh, Mike, backwards arrows. Wait, not only the backwards arrows for backwards <laughs> momentum, but also you get stuck at the end of each mission trying to yep. spin a high enough number to go to the next mission. So that's three right. spins later, I'm still sitting on you know the stupid mission that says spin a five to go on to the space mission oh no to go on to the whatever mission it is next yep well the good news is after three spins you get to go on no matter what oh good a consolation prize yeah it costs you three power cards though yeah now given that you often have to move backwards and that the power cards are all identical you're (laughs) Bad luck and your good luck can sort of wash each other out. Yeah. <laughs> you get one little twist, though. You can use the power card to just move forward. There are legitimately valuable uses of these power cards. And honestly, with a couple of tweaks, the power cards could have been actually interesting. But on the cover of the box, it says for ages 6 to 12... Yep. On the inside of the box, it says for ages 7 to 14. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) In the rules part, it reads a special effect for assignment two, which is actually in assignment three. It sounds like they reassessed the game to say, you know, this is far too complex and racy for a six-year-old. We got to up it to seven. But once they get to 12, it's too, uh, too boring at 12. 
there was no explanation in the rules as to what you were supposed to do on the final mission square. So at the end of the assignment, if you ended up with (laughs) multiple people on a particular square, you would fight it out with a spinner. Just a single spin. It was totally random who would win. It's a spinoff. Yeah. And then... I remember I was on a space like that fighting with somebody. I did beat them. I don't remember who. I think I ended up as the real $6 million man, you know, for... What tricky and clever method did you use to fight him with? (laughs) He spun well. That's what he did. He needed to roll a five or a six on his last spin, and he did. Wow. And... Even though he got stuck doing almost every side mission, which Ugh, which side missions. is represented on the board by a circle that you land on where you lose a turn. You stop to secure a faulty hatch, lose a turn. You- yeah, you're in space rescuing the guy, which is your mission. Oh, wait, I'm diverted because the, the, the handle fell off the door. Let's fix it. Wow, in space, losing a turn is pretty bad. Oh, yeah. And I think Joe lost three of them because he stopped to secure the faulty hatch. He stopped to repair the starboard rocket and he had to force entry to the stranded spaceship. He's just being thorough, man. (laughs) Yeah. Meanwhile, the stranded astronauts out there dying slowly of asphyxiation. (laughs) Can you fix the hatch later? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) One of my jobs that I got delayed for was jump over high voltage fence. (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 no. In most of those cases, you had the choice of either losing a turn or playing power card. Ed, don't try to don't try to make excuses for this game, please. <laughs> please, but I I, sh- I should have been the six billion dollar man after all of the money I saved the government doing all these free odd jobs for. <laughs> Very you. true. The six million dollar man pays for himself. Yeah, he clearly <laughs> proved that he was the real six million dollar man. Me- meanwhile, I could not possibly have hit more backward movement squares. <laughs> like it would have been impossible. I was like three assignments behind everybody else. If this game had been set in the in the nineties or in the, or in the twenty first century, uh, you would have been fallen victim to some kind of Russian hack. Yeah. yeah, making you move backwards all the time. Either that, or as Joe suggested, I was simply a Russian double agent trying to muck up the works. Now that would have been cool. I just want to know who paid for the other five point nine million dollar men out there. You're looking at twenty four million dollars worth of men on this board, which is two screwdrivers in the government now. I like the spot where you get paused if you're underwater. Oh, you get caught in a fishing net. I mean, what? You're the bionic man. You got caught in a net. You can't get through that. <laughs> It's not a particularly good race game at that. (laughs) The $6 million man was screened in over 70 countries. In 1973, it was a movie. In 1974, it became a TV series. In 1975, Lee Majors made his directorial debut with co-starring football players Larry Sanka and Dick Butkus. (laughs) The name of the film was One of Our Running Backs is Missing. (laughs) <laughs> oh, come on. One of the most popular storylines on Six Million Dollar Man, and I remember it from when I was a kid, were was the Bigfoot plot line. It had <laughs> oh, five yeah. episodes. Bigfoot, wow. oh the gosh. return of Bigfoot. Then the Bionic Woman had a two-part Bigfoot series. <laughs> People really love Bigfoot. By I honestly point, think man. it was the contact lenses. They were very spooky for the time. It was definitely not the fake bear suit that the guy was wearing, but it was. But those contact lenses were spooky. This is incredible. Where do we even go from there? I, I think we're good. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What more can we say? Mike, do you spin like you roll? Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> I'm, I'm probably worse with a spinner than I am with a... And oh, because I, I subconsciously 
purposely try not to cheat with the spinner because I feel like I could figure out where to position it to spin it to get what I want. Right. So the, I purposely yeah. avoid doing that and it makes for some really bad spins. <laughs> <laughs> All right, explorers, get those shovels ready. It is time to dig up or bury the $6 million man. Ed? I expected a bad game. And while I wasn't wrong, it's not quite as awful as I expected. But still, bury it. Wow. You might say this game has little replay value since the missions never change. I'll dig it up for nostalgia, though. Wow. Evan? This game is a sloppy mess (laughs) as far as games go. There's lots of fun in tearing this game apart. So play it once for the thrill of the kill, then bury the remains. (laughs) Mike? This game looks like it has tedious gameplay coupled with backward momentum, (laughs) pure luck, and almost no decisions to be made. Let the AI play for me while I start digging a hole. I mean, uh, I can't really judge it. I have to abstain because I didn't play. Despite the delightful plot lines that were written out on the board, bury it. I have seen pristine, like new copies online for $18. If you have thoughts about the $6 million man, let us know. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We would love to hear from you. And that brings us to the end of our show. We look forward to hearing about all the game exploring you've done. If you'd like more perks and content from the show, including exclusive episodes and the new post show for just $3 a month, you can go to our website and click on Become a Supporter today. If you get a chance, please leave us a rating or a review on your favorite podcaster. It really helps helps others find the show join our chat on our discord server which game first and our patreon supporters get access to exclusive channels follow us on your favorite social media site we are at which game first on twitter facebook and instagram happy gaming explorers yep six million dollars you get about four tomahawk cruise missiles for that if i had that kind of budget i would design a pen that writes in space <laughs> <laughs>